0: Marriage on a tightrope supports couples in strengthening their mixed faith marriage.
1: Visit tightropemarriage.org to make a recurring donation and learn more about the mixed faith community. Hello and welcome to another episode of Marriage on a Tightrope. I'm Alan, and I'm Katie, and we're still married.
0: I mean, I I think that we say we're still married. We're continuing to be married.
1: We had a question on why we say that, Katie. Why do we say we're still married?
0: That's a good question. I don't know why. I mean, I think we opened up the second episode with that, and then to stay
1: consistent, consistent, we just kept saying it. Okay, look, here, we'll break it down for you real quick. We didn't plan on getting into this, but let's do it. Two reasons. One, Katie just touched on is, and podcastery, can we say that? Sure. The Bakedress? You were. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's good to have consistent beginnings and consistent ends. We're not so good at the consistent ends, but having something to that sounds familiar for people, it's inviting and whatnot. So that's why we do something repetitively every episode. But the reason why we are still married, I feel is important to say, is that a lot of people don't know that continuing in a healthy relationship is possible in a mixed-faith marriage. And it absolutely is. So it's kind of like a hey we're still married like don't worry about us we're good everything's happy so that that's kind of why we we say that at the beginning of every episode so there's the uh, to answer the question that nobody asked <laughs> that's a that's where we came from funny that we are answering a question no one asked because today's episode is all about answering questions that you did ask we went out to a number of our listeners and uh some Facebook groups and asked them to give us questions that they have received. But individuals that are in a mixed-faith marriage, or at least one of them has differing beliefs or has experienced a faith transition, what questions or comments do they receive? And we've, we're going to go through those today as we received them. Before we do that, Katie, do we have a marriage moment we can share with everyone?
0: I feel like marriage moment should be something enlightening, but it's never enlightening. No, it's just like what's up with us?
1: An update on what's going on with us? Yeah.
0: Okay, update on what's going on with us. Here we go.
1: What's happening in an hour and fifteen minutes? In, in your a life?
0: oh man, in an hour and fifteen minutes countdown. I am going to Disneyland.
1: oh. Well, I
0: know. I said I wasn't going to travel. I know. Just I know the listeners are thinking in their head. Hey, she wasn't going to go anywhere this year, but...
1: We are open, even in our hypocrisy. I changed my mind. And did you get some kind of pass that allows for more frequent visits to Disneyland?
0: (laughs) This is so bad, yes. I live in Utah, and Alan got me an annual pass to Disneyland. I spoiled her. And so I am taking my daughter on a surprise birthday trip to Disneyland. She knows now. What she doesn't know is that she has some friends coming, and so that will be very exciting, and I am super excited. Uh, so we we – I think we've been feeling, like, overwhelmed lately, right? Yeah. This comes at a really good time because – Sometimes you just need to like get away and turn things off. You do get a lot of questions. We love going out with people. We love getting texts from people and we love talking about it. But sometimes it's just, it's very overwhelming. So
1: even without going out to dinner or anything with other people, just between the two of us, Mm -hmm. it was a couple of days ago, we just looked at each other and we said, we just need a break. (laughs)
0: Yeah, we just need a break. And Alan was in Phoenix for a couple days, and then he came home. And then now I'm in California for a couple days, and then I literally am home for like two days, and Alan leaves again to Minnesota. 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 Oh, that was not terrible. Yeah, that was
1: good.
0: (laughs) We're getting off track here. But uh, what (laughs) I wanted to say was we are taking a break this week. I'm going to go enjoy some – Disney and food and rides and sunshine and Alan's gonna you know spend time with the boys what are you gonna do
1: I don't know I'll probably take them to the Nickelcade uh try to wear them out during the day so that I can be alone and enjoy some bachelorhood at night
0: wait what does that entail
1: uh, video games and energy drinks
0: uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> wait you forgot baseball
1: and baseball Dodgers I told Katie the most therapeutic activity that I can give myself is watching the Dodgers while playing my baseball game on my PlayStation four. It's so wonderful.
0: It's almost like you're in the game. Is that why?
1: A little bit. I'm still living the dream. I'm still, I'm 36. So technically I could still make the major leagues. There's still no. a glimmer of, there never was a glimmer. of No. That. So we're taking a break. We're actively choosing not to discuss religious topics together. We just need a little mental break. So we're going to do that for a few days.
0: Yeah, and it'll be nice to get away. So before we start this episode, and we have a lot of questions to get to. We're not going to get to all of them, but I actually don't know what the questions are. Alan just copy and pasted them onto this paper for me. So we'll see how that goes. Might be a lot of editing in this episode.
1: So Katie, since our last podcast, when you kind of mentioned in episode nine... That you wanted to become a marriage and family therapist and become a <laughs> Oh, now you're going to stick it to me. <laughs> Did you get that done yet? Did you? Are you a professional now?
0: I am... I am totally not.
1: Right. So that's N-O-T,
0: the- <laughs> friends. We are not professionals here. We are speaking from our experience, and we get a lot of questions about different things. And the way that this podcast goes is we are trying to speak to all of those things, but doing it in a very authentic and organic manner. So if it's something that we have not breached yet... We won't talk about it because it, I, all I could do was just give my opinion and that's, no one wants my opinion. People just want to hear. I wouldn't
1: say that.
0: Well, I just think that we can only speak to what we go through. Yeah, and what so, we've talked
1: about and what we've thought. There are certain things that we haven't experienced yet.
0: Anyway, just so, so you know, we have your questions. If we don't answer something specifically, it's because we're still trying to figure it out, too.
1: That's right.
0: Thanks for all of the questions that were asked. And this is a very long, scary list. So let's just so get let's, to it.
1: Let's jump in. Katie, I'm going to ask you the first question. Do you still believe in being married?
0: Why would someone write that?
1: Well, I think that that's a legitimate... <laughs> No, and I think that's a legitimate concern for some people. Where, when, when your belief system that has brought you together now is in question, you can feel like, "Oh my gosh, do they?" Now, remember, I the the context of me asking this question to these groups was, "What questions have you received?" So this these questions okay. are not people asking us okay. these questions. These questions are questions questions that they've received, received. Like, and okay. and I think where this question is coming from is. If you don't believe in the church that brought you together, do you still want to be together?
0: Oh, okay. That makes more sense. Thank you for giving me the context. Of course we do.
1: I think that that question, this podcast is self-evident of that.
0: And in one of our episodes, maybe it was the love episode, we talk about how we still feel like we were divinely put together i guess you could say i yeah we believe in marriage
1: and while we are divinely we believe we were divinely put together we in that same episode talked about how we know we love each other and none of it is tied to any belief in a deity or a religion not to say that those things aren't important but how do you know that i love you katie it's how I treat you, the way I hold you, how I treat the kids going to work without complaining, those types of things. And the same thing could be said about, about me. Mm -hmm. This change of, of beliefs for me has not led to either of us questioning our marriage.
0: No, no. If anything, it's brought us closer together. Okay, Ellen, here's the next question. What are the gifts of your faith crisis and transition to your marriage and to each of your individual lives?
1: The gifts of my faith crisis, um, I think a lot of that came across in episode, the one where I I read your letter. Those in the beginning there, I feel like my faith crisis has led me to be, led me to, to want to treat others and understand others, understand others' perspectives and how those perspectives can help me rather than thinking I just have it all figured out. I've never thought that I've had it all figured out, but this is really... Coming to the conclusion that some of the things I've felt were so important and so immovable, seeing them moved within me has made me feel like, oh, other people really can teach me a lot about how to live a good and healthy life so for me that's that's been that's been a really positive thing in my individual life. So Katie, how about you as far as what do you think the the gifts are for our marriage when it comes to what positive have have you seen? Due to, or in the face of, this faith crisis?
0: Uh, like I mentioned before, we are closer. We feel like we have a closer bond.
1: More open communication?
0: Okay, yeah. More open communication. I mean, I I think that <clears throat> I have more empathy for you and for others. So, um, not as not quite as judgmental as i used to be. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Kind of respecting people's journeys and experiences.
0: I mean, we're talking directly about our marriage, not necessarily like other people.
1: Yeah, we're talking about our marriage. Yeah. How has our marriage improved?
0: So, i mean, i feel like i'm less judgmental. I feel like i have more empathy and sympathy. I feel like i we have come closer together. We have more open communication. Those are things. Those are the things I would list, I guess.
1: Good. I think a lot of that question is going to be answered in other questions as well. So let's move forward. This is an interesting one I would like to ask Katie. Someone, this is not coming from me, it's coming from someone else, but would you attend my baptism at a different church?
0: Oh, I don't ever see you, It's it's hard to answer that. I don't ever see you getting baptized at another church.
1: Yeah, I don't either. I mean, Um,
0: I just don't see it happening.
1: Yeah, you know, we'll have a guest on the show pretty soon in the next couple of episodes once we can get the schedules aligned where um, it is a mixed-faith marriage and they both left the LDS church. One of them does not go to church anymore. The other goes to a different church. Mm -hmm. So that would be a good question for them. Yeah. And I already know the answer is yes in their case, but I'll let them tell that story. Right. Um, Yeah, I think based on what I've talked about, with, with where I'm at, that that really wouldn't, isn't an option. That's not something I'm looking at, at doing.
0: Are you looking at going to another church? No,
1: um, I'm not, I haven't, I, I, I had a work friend invite me to go see him play guitar at the opening of his church and my nephew who had just gotten back from a mission was in town. And so I said, I'm going to go do that and I'm going to take my two older kids and Katie was okay with that. So we went and supported him and it was a cool experience. They have a bar there, not like alcoholic, but like Italian sodas and and drinks. And on your first visit, you get an Italian soda. So we all got to drink Italian sodas watching my friend sing about Jesus. It was really fun.
0: (laughs) Yeah. All right, next question. How do you both navigate teaching your children if you have them, your
1: beliefs? Well, oh, we do have them. We have
0: four of them.
1: We do. And how do we navigate teaching them? Because uh, we do have differing beliefs, this is one of those wow. questions where uh, our oldest is eleven. He's not terribly interested in church anyway. <laughs> so, and, and our ten-year-old, while maybe is slightly more interested, they're they're not at the age where they're asking these deep probing questions. What I think has been a really good step because of my faith transition has been sitting down with my two oldest, especially and asking them what they learned about in church and how that's going to help them. That has given me an opportunity to sit down with them, and if they uh, bring some kind of lesson up that I feel they should learn, then I'll talk to them about it. And there hasn't been an experience yet, and there won't be, because Katie and I are on the same page on this, where I'm teaching them something that, that Katie doesn't want me to teach them, or that is in opposition to what Katie believes what we're trying to instill in them is they can choose for themselves what is important to them and what they want to do in their life spiritually and religiously. And it's not our job. It is our job to make sure that they, they grow up to, to be contributing well-behaved citizens and what? How? What would you correct in that statement?
0: I so because I think we are in tr- in charge of our children in every way, especially when they're young. I mean, that's just what happens. We indoctrinate them with Disney, with Dodgers, with um, you know whatever it is that we're learning at church. We talk about it. So I wouldn't say that we. It's one of those things where we're trying to teach them some independence. And we're trying to teach them to make good choices. And we're not going to just sit back and say, okay, whatever you make, whatever choice you make is okay. And because there are consequences with everything. There are always consequences. So we have to teach them both. We have to teach them to make good decisions and also that there are consequences, um, with those decisions, good and bad. And hopefully we steer them in the, in the right direction but uh, we also want them to have some of that independence i think that's what you're speaking to
1: yes you're saying that a lot better than i did yeah the the consequences is a huge huge thing because even though for example i don't believe drinking coffee is wrong anymore spiritually it's not a sin doesn't mean that it doesn't have consequences right it it has consequences it
0: has consequences
1: So we got that question of, are you okay with me doing underline? And it was phrased in a way that could go to either person. Uh, There was a comment beneath it that said, quote, just going to jump in. I know this isn't the point of the original post, but through therapy, we have come up with a really great tool. What we do to our own bodies celebrates our autonomy. Those things may make our spouses uncomfortable, but that is about them. And it erases yourself when you make choices based upon how the other will feel about it. If you can get to a place where you say, quote, I'm considering ordering a drink. It sounds good. I'd like to try one. I want you to know that you and your feelings matter to me, end quote. Or the believing spouse could say, I would really like to go to temple night tonight. I'm feeling down and I think it will uplift me. Your feelings about this are very important to me. So that was someone's experience that they had in therapy with their spouse. Any thoughts?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, We've talked about like going to the temple where I go and you don't like ordering a drink.
1: Like, well, not even using that specific example, but what do you think about the tool that they, they mentioned that what we do with our own body celebrates our autonomy and it's, uh, things may make our spouses uncomfortable, but that's about them. It erases yourself when you make choices based on how others feel. What do you think about that? 'Cause it's it's these are hard. These are really hard questions, guys, that we have not sat down and talked about and thought about a lot.
0: Honestly, and, we did not do any prep before this.
1: Which is I mean, I think we do that on purpose because we just want to be authentic and vulnerable in what we've experienced and thought about up to this point. And we are both trying to be very respectful, so tell tell everybody about our conversation about you wanting to go to the temple and what my response was
0: yeah so I feel like um going to the temple would be really hard because Alan's not there, and I think that I would just be thinking the whole time that I was alone there, which is very selfish, but it's it's really hard to think about that, and so one thing Alan said is, how about I go with you to the temple and I'll wait I'll be in the waiting room and I'll study scriptures or whatever it is I want to study while you are doing the temple ordinance, which is a really nice thing to say and a nice gesture. Um I don't I haven't taken him up on it yet though.
1: And from my perspective, I remember uh within the last couple of months you asked me You just said, can you not have any surprises if you're going to, uh, do this or do that? Can you let me know beforehand? Let's just be open with each other. The way that you said it made me feel like I know that you don't agree with it and you don't want me to do it, but that you were, you were saying, and the way that you phrased it was, you're going to make your decisions Let's just be, let's just be honest about it.
0: Yes. But, um, there was a surprise decision made and I was really upset by it. And so that goes with it is that I don't want to feel like that again.
1: Right. Yeah. You've experienced it. So we don't want to put each other through that again. Mm-hmm. So open communication. I think that's the first time we've, we've plugged that as being important on this podcast.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> That could be the name of our podcast, Communication. That's right. Okay, the next question is, how does Katie talk about your beliefs when TBMs ask her about you?
1: True believing Mormons, for those that aren't familiar with the acronym.
0: (laughs) Uh, There are people that ask me about Alan. I tell them that he's gone through a faith transition, that he continues to believe in God and Christ, and he continues to support me and the kids, in going to church. I think that's about it. I don't really get into details unless they ask for details. Do they ask? Not usually. No, no.
1: What is their response? Is it more of a, I'm so sorry that's happening.
0: Some people say I'm sorry, or some people will say, well, he'll get through this. He'll, he'll figure it out. I think that's a lot. I think people want to be positive and this is not a cut to them at all, but in being positive in like a hard situation when they say to me he'll he'll be back he'll change his mind mm-hmm. i mean in the back of my mind I, I i hope that maybe you'll have more peace about it but i don't really see you ever returning going
1: back to the way it was
0: going back to the way it was i think that's a good that's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. I don't see you going back to the way it was before.
1: Right. Just because you learned Santa Claus isn't real doesn't mean you stop celebrating Christmas.
0: Oh, I don't know if that's a good example.
1: I'm not saying Santa Claus is God. I'm just saying once you once you don't believe in Santa Claus, you don't you don't go back to believing in Santa Claus. So in my in my experience that's what I'm hearing you say.
0: Oh, I don't like that example because you're calling TBMs like Santa Claus believers.
1: No, I'm not. I'm just, I'm just talking that's what, about what you believe. I
0: know. I'm just saying that just, I, that's what it sounds like is. Okay. Like TBMs, you believe in Santa Claus. and Now that I don't, I don't know.
1: Well, the whole <sighs> podcast is based on you believe something that I don't anymore. I mean, I'm not. No, I, I know. know. That's not what I'm saying. I'm. Like it's, it would take a lot to get me back. I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah, I've had a number of people say to me, including, you know, leaders have said, just keep doing what you're doing. Everything's going to work out okay. And I've responded to them by saying, I agree. Everything's going to be great. Everything is good. And I, I agree with you that everything is going to be okay. That doesn't mean the same thing for everybody. Everything being okay doesn't mean that the non-believer believes again. It can be something different. And it doesn't... So I've tried to make that clear to people that it doesn't have to... Everything being okay doesn't mean the same thing to everybody. Everything can be okay in different ways to different people. Here's a question. How do you introduce non-literalism regarding scriptural and restoration stories to your children? You think I should tell the story about uh, our oldest coming home, talking about Noah's Ark?
0: Sure. That's a good, that's a good example.
1: <laughs> so he comes home from church. Uh, well, we all come home from church and our oldest, he's 11, as you knew, says to me, dad, or I asked him, I said, what did you learn about and how is it going to help you? And he says, well, we talked about Noah's Ark. I said, oh, what do you think about that? It's completely unrealistic. <laughs> and I, I kind of smile and say, well, what do you mean? And he said, you're telling me that this guy got all of those animals, two of every single animal, millions of species, and put them in a boat? Dad, where did he fit the whales? <laughs> and I pointed out to him, I'm like, well, the whales didn't really need to be in the boat because they're in the water. And he goes, okay, yeah, I get it. but But still, that just seems so unrealistic. And I had a moment to think of, okay how am I going to respond to this? Right. And so I respond to him, maybe unexpectedly to him. I said, well, I completely agree. I, I, yeah, it's, it's pretty unrealistic, but what are you trying to say then? Like, do you, did it not happen? And I don't, I don't think he quite, he's not quite at that level where he is trying to say that it either happened or it didn't. He was just, just didn't think it was a realistic thing. So I and and I said, "Listen, son, I don't really think it matters, does it? Like what is it what is this story trying to tell you?" And he came up with a really great answer, all by himself. He said, "If you think that doing something is is good and important, even if it's really hard, you should try your best to get it done." And I said, "Absolutely. Absolutely." Uh, I added the the caveat of unless that thing is going to take away the the liberty or freedom of others don't hurt other people trying to do what you think is right, but if you 're doing something that you feel is good and true and right, even if it 's incredibly difficult, especially if it 's incredibly difficult, you really need to give it your all so i 'm not really concerned about the rest of it. A lot of people don 't think noah ever existed. I do, but it doesn 't matter. It doesn't matter. The lesson is learned regardless.
0: Yes. And I think that our son is one of those who's going to be, he has always just questioned everything. He wants to talk back. He knows everything. He questions everything.
1: I don't do that. (laughs) That's what he would say if you were here.
0: Always. And, And so for him, he really needs that type of interaction where you are explaining things to him. He is much better off if we give him a reason for something. I can't I can't get away with the because I said so, because I'm your mother. I can't get away with that anymore. And he is not satisfied with that. Now maybe our ten year old is good with that. Our ten year old is just so easy, so easy going. And he'll just say, Okay mom, but my oldest will just Oh, poke and poke and poke mm-hmm. until you have a bruise is what it is. So you go by what your kids need. Each kid's going to be different. Each kid will need a different level of explanation. And that's okay. That's good. But the important thing is, is teaching them in the way that they need to be taught for them and how they're going to, what they're going to get out of it. And isn't that I mean, for you TBMs out there, isn't that what the church teaches us is, you know, the more, the more important thing is, is what can we get out of this story? How does this apply to me? How is this going to make me a better person? That, I mean, that's what we talk about constantly and we do the same with the kids. Okay. Here's the next question. What are the activities and practices you are doing to reinforce and further develop confidence in each other's love and intimacy for each other as your religious and faith belief practices evolve? That's kind of like a long way of saying, what are you doing to strengthen your marriage as you're going through this process? Right? Is that fair? Yeah, that's good. So I will preach till the ends of the earth about date nights date nights save us, really. We have to have them every week. That's where we can connect. That's where we can talk. That's where we can do something for ourselves, something fun. Also, we get up in the morning, and we've been kind of sporadic about this, and this is weather-related as well as trip-related, but we will get up in the morning and go walking and talk about the day's events, what's what's coming up, what we're thinking, And Alan is a really emotional person.
1: I'm not.
0: You are, and you, Alan, does not hide his feelings well.
1: I don't. It's annoying because I can never hide anything from Katie.
0: That's right. I'm a little better at it, wouldn't you say?
1: You're a bad liar.
0: I'm a bad liar. I am a bad liar. I will say that
1: you're a bad liar.
0: Well, so one thing is, is I can really read Alan's emotions. I address it immediately. What's wrong? And then I'll just keep at it. I'll bother him until he tells me to shut up, right? Huh. But I don't
1: ever tell you to shut up.
0: No. In a playful way, right?
1: What we're trying to say is we're perfect at this. <laughs> we
0: we know. that What we're saying is that we failed so many times that we're <laughs> finally starting to understand yeah. how to do it. It's, yeah. it's what it is. Being alone together. The kids know at nighttime... We get really snippy with them because we need our hour of Netflix couch time, talk time, before we go to bed. We just have to have it.
1: I like to ask the kids, who does daddy love more than anyone in the world? Mom. And then I'll say, hey, everybody look over here. And then I'll, we'll kiss. And they'll go, ew, it's fun. It's fun. It's and fun it's to fun torture to them torture <laughs>
0: That's right. But, you know, it's... They need to know that that is something that is normal and it's good and it's healthy and that's what they should do with their own relationship.
1: Yeah. We're getting a little smidgely off topic. Smidgly? Yeah, we are. But that's okay because it's, it's a fun one. I mean, you think about what is the example that they... what Which married couple in their lives are they going to have the most experience with? Us. If they're... When they grow up and are dating, courting, and being engaged and then getting married... If they are pulling from what they've experienced and who they've seen and how how am I supposed to treat a woman? How am I just, just supposed to treat a man? They're going to look at how we treated each other, and that just adds the pressure to to do <laughs> even better, right? So I mean, it's when especially when the kids are around, I try to treat you, Katie, with even more respect and even more love and even more physical attention when they are around
0: whether wanted or not (laughs) by
1: you or the kids they don't want to see it sometimes you don't want it but i want them to i want them to see that so they can see that that's something that that is important in a marriage right one question says what do you do when your child turns eight so uh, we've talked about this we we got a couple of years until we have another eight-year-old and i'll start with the positive first right if our daughter who is going to be eight uh, turns eight and she wants to be baptized, then great, she can be baptized. Uh, in my meeting with with leaders, they've told me that I can baptize her, and that's fine. I can't confirm her, but I can baptize her. Uh, I don't know how I'll feel in two years. It's a long time from now, but I'm totally fine with her, and I actually want to sit down with her and say, "Hey, you're almost eight. What do you think about baptism? I want to be baptized. Why do you want to be baptized?" Well, that's, uh, that's what you do when you're eight. Well, that's... We don't know if
0: she's going to answer that way. No,
1: I know. but But if she does, if she answers that way, I'm going to say, well, why should we get baptized? Like, why are we supposed to be baptized? All I want as the less believing spouse or father in this case for her to say is, I want to be like Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. And I'll say... I'll be the first to put on the jumpsuit. I'll be like, "Awesome, that's great. Let's do it." That's it, and I'll coach her to get there because she, she's seven and or will be at the time, and uh, and and she maybe isn't as uh, outspoken as a lot of kids, and and asking her a serious question like this, she may freeze up, and I'll, I'll coach her to get to that place. That's the positive uh, perspective of it, and and I won't really get negative, but the the other part of me feels that eight is pretty young to make such an important decision, but I don't feel, I don't feel so strongly that she shouldn't to, to hold her back from experiencing that, especially because all of her friends and all of her family, it would be a really negative thing for her to go through something like that, of not being baptized when she's eight. And I think it's a beautiful gesture of, I want to follow Christ and if she wants to do that, I'm in.
0: Yeah, I think that baptism is not, it's not just for Mormons. Most people in Christian churches have some sort of baptism, whether yeah. they're babies and they're Catholic, whether they're older as adults. I think that what Alan is saying, and I agree with, is the commitment, saying, okay, I want to follow after Christ's example. I'm going to commit myself to be like him, and I want to be baptized. And I think that that, that's all a positive thing. I really do. So, of course, I'll be all for her getting baptized, and so will Alan, really. Mm -hmm. I love you. Okay, the next question.
1: We're going to go through these three here. Okay. Because they were all sent by the same person.
0: Okay, so these are three statements and a question that a reader asked. And so I'll go ahead and just read the statement and then we'll address it. I worry that you are trusting yourself too much, that you are not praying as much. I worry you're not the spiritual lead of our home. Our kids see that that you don't rely on God to answer your questions. And I worry that you won't learn to lean on God. Who have you been reading or listening to that gave you this idea? This is common. I think that people automatically say to me, oh, well, he's been reading anti-stuff. So I just want to be clear about what anti-stuff is. When you get information directly from the source, whether it be the LDS essays Whatever it may be that is on LDS.org, Alan, would you say that is anti-material?
1: I think by definition, it can't be. It can't be. (laughs) It's literally published by the church.
0: So when you read historical books about Joseph Smith, Rough Stone Rolling, those types of things, do you think those are anti? No. Have you read information off LDS.org? as well as books like Rough Stone Rolling. I have. Have you gone to other sources I for have. information? What have you done when you've encountered anti-material?
1: I think that it's... What turns me off is when someone's motives uh, are clearly driving how they present the information. Does that make sense? Yes. So... Um, When, when somebody, I'm not interested in someone that will, is turning a blind eye to the truth, no matter what side of the fence they sit on. There are obviously those that don't agree with the church that try to present things in a way that isn't truthful or honest. And I'm not interested in that. And it's not that hard to identify either. And then on the other side, there's the same. There are people that will defend the church by, by lying and not telling the truth about what has actually happened, or that what the church has actually admitted ha- happened themselves, I'm not interested in that either. So it doesn't matter for me. I, I don't really care about the motivations of the author. I just care about where the information is coming from and if it's true or not. Right. And if it's not sourced and backed up, yeah, it's it's you, you can't just take people at their word on either side of the fence.
0: Right. And I think that one time you said that you don't like things that are overly flowery. Everything is wonderful. There's nothing wrong. And you don't, on the other side, like things that are hateful, really. I yeah. mean, just, I mean, people, a lot of it is opinion based versus source and research based. Yeah. So, and that goes for, for both sides. So it's, I think when people, Ask about anti material, it's very hurtful, number one, because they can't believe that your source came from the source. Right. And as well as well documented, well researched people in the church. And that, that can be really harmful, one to ask, two, uh, to just dismiss it away, saying, well, You know, it's, it's all that anti stuff, but there is some truth to, to what people have said. And so I think that you just, you have to be careful about that.
1: Yeah. I'm thinking of a few specific instances that are, they still hurt when I think about it because there are people that I love and respect and they'll bring up, well, the church has never said this. And I say, no, but they did. And can I show you where? And it's literally on LDS.org. They say, I'm not going to read that, but wait, hold on. <laughs> it's the church. Like I'm not trying to tear anything down. I'm trying to, to explain to you this, this truth. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. Um, the, this top one, I'll, I'll point to real quick. I worry that you're trusting yourself too much, that you're not praying as much. I'll just ask you, what have, what has your observation of me been over the last 16 months, as far as praying goes and leaning on god
0: i think you've been more engaged now than you ever have been our whole marriage
1: yeah i agree
0: (laughs) i mean before i think that you were going through the motions just doing what we were taught to do always yeah and
1: now did that service well
0: I mean, yeah, of course. Going
1: through the motions doesn't have to be necessarily negative. It's
0: not negative. None of it's negative. But when there was a turn or a shift, if you will, Alan, I saw him praying so hard and really just like reaching out and figuring, trying to figure out answers and ask God for help. And I mean, he went to his leaders and asked for help. He read the books that they gave him, the articles they sent him, he's done all of that. So it's hard because when when people say, oh, well, he just, I mean, they treat it like he, he gave up, which is so hard because you when you're in it, you don't see the day-to-day. I see the day-to-day. Praying in the morning, praying at night, sharing an article, reading a scripture, teaching our kids. And I can see where his heart is at. So it's hard when people come in, just jump in and make a snap judgment and say, well, you didn't do X, Y, or Z. Or the other thing that we get a lot is, well, if he's doing all of these things, he should have figured it out by now. Like he should have gotten his answer. And his answer should have been that the church is true. And while he didn't get that answer, and he hasn't felt that yet, it's hard to explain to others because the whole idea is that the revelation will always tell you what you're supposed to do. And it's hard to imagine God telling you to do something that's not what you've been taught yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I always tell Alan that my biggest like, hope for him is that he, in all of this, he just finds peace. He just can be at peace with what he has learned, what he knows. So it's not this constant torment within himself.
1: I, I think, thank you for saying that. I think the key to that peace and the torment is a lot of it lies in how others treat people that believe like I do now. It's hard to feel peace when you're sitting in a, a second-hour Sunday school and everyone disagrees with you and to the point where it, you feel like you're attacked. It's that's hard to feel peace in that situation. So I really hope, and one of the leaders I spoke to echoed that sentiment to me of, He, I meant a lot to me. He gave me this big hug and I'm probably a foot and a half taller than him. And I gave him this big hug and he said, I really hope that the church becomes a safer place for people like you. Your comments are valuable. They're needed. I really hope you stick with this. And that meant a lot to me.
0: Now you're the one crying. (laughs) That doesn't happen very often. And,
1: and, um, I just want everyone to know, like, this isn't easy. (laughs) It's not easy to to have the walls crumbling down of everything that you ever held holy and sacred. The easiest thing for me to do would be to say everything is always the way that it was, and go back to normal. You don't. I mean, to 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 say that I don't want that, I don't want the church to be true. That's that is not that is not the right situ. That is not what is happening here. So it's 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 tough. It's tough.
0: I think what Alan is getting at here, and you know, he's doing it in his way, is we just need now more than ever to be compassionate, compassionate towards how other people feel, what place they're coming from. I don't know. I would love to ask the listeners: Is this unique to Utah? Is this? Is it different outside of Utah in other areas where it's not so mainstream? Because we, we live in a like four by four block where that's the ward and we have a lot of really good people with a lot of really good uh, perspectives. But I think it can feel very isolating when you're speaking up a perspective that's different and i i i would be really interested to know if any of you have have the chance to speak up where you feel acceptance or love i think this can vary i don't think it's Just like a Utah thing, because I think that there are some wards that do a really good job of cultivating an open communication with members, with ideas, with feelings. I don't think that it's and I'm not saying that our our ward doesn't do that. I just think that it's it may be a little bit more difficult because of where we live, but I don't know if it's really like that outside. I mean, do we have any listeners in other countries? I would love, I would love to get someone's perspective.
1: Yeah. E- email us what your war dynamic is, especially those that are the less believing. And if you're still attending, uh, send us what your experience is. Cause all we know is what we know. And maybe we can, if you put it in a way that we can read it the next episode, maybe we can share that.
0: Yeah. And i I'll, I'll put the question on Instagram also, if you don't. Follow us. Follow us on Marriage on a Tightrope. Again, I do updates. But I'll pose the question on there. Sometimes it's easier just to write a fast response. I would love to know what the dynamic is. Do you feel like you have a place that you can openly share your opinions with everyone else?
1: Last question. Again, we probably only covered a third of the question we received and we can do a part two of this another time. But what about your family? The question asks ceilings, eternity that only happens when you do all the ABCs of what the prophets tell us to do. Do you feel like I'm giving up on us as an eternal family?
0: At first I, that's where my mind went is We're not going to be a celestial family. We're not going to live in the celestial kingdom together. You've ruined everything. (laughs) I'm not. Jeez, don't hold back. Well, I like if I'm being honest. That's what I thought at at first. I would say last summer when we were going through all of this. I have changed my mind about a few things. I think that we just don't understand we just don't understand what's in store for us after this life. I think that God will absolutely let us live together. I don't think that I, I just don't believe that he wouldn't let us live with our families. And I, I don't know how the whole degrees of glory work. Um, but I also know that he's not going to send us somewhere where we don't feel comfortable being. And if I'm being honest, I, I'm not going to feel comfortable being somewhere where Alan's not. Another thought that I have is that I truly believe that God wants us to progress. And the idea of not being able to progress after we die seems really silly to me. I, I feel like no, God still wants us to progress and, 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 that may mean progression from kingdom to kingdom. I mean, that's what the church teaches is you're going to be stuck in the kingdom um that you're in, but i I just I really think that he's much more merciful and much more has much more grace for us than we allow ourselves on this earth. so i I think that we will be together. I think that, Okay, this is a side note here. This is like philosophy of Katie. But, you know, I think about the war in heaven and I think about God's children. And one thing, one idea that Alan and I have talked about is I know that there are souls who what they, when they split, some of them could have realized, oh, crap, I made the wrong decision being here on this side. I'm not saying on God's side. I'm saying on the other side. And I just have this strong feeling that why wouldn't Christ and God allow those people the opportunity to come down and change their minds and give them grace and show them love? I, I think that that happens. And I think that that will happen after this life. And our friends who are our best friends across the street that are Catholic we're, they're going to see their sister again, and of course they're going to live with her again. I, I just, I think that we don't need to have this mentality, this like scare, scare tactic of, well, if you don't do this, you're not going to see your family again. Yeah. Because I just think that
1: that's fear based.
0: Fear based, yeah. right? That I just feel like no, of course God's going to want us to all be together, and we will all be together. So my feeling on that has changed. It's taken a year's time, but that's, it's scary at (laughs) first. I like, I've been there. I've thought about Alan ruining it all and Hey, like, you're not going to get me there, but I don't know. I've just come to a different understanding now. And the other thing is, is that I have 100% faith that it's going to all work out just like If I die tomorrow and Alan married someone else, what happens? What happens in the afterlife? Like what, who gets to be with him? It'll all work out. It's not something that I'm overly concerned about.
1: Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I'll, uh, I'll, I'd like to address that real briefly. If we could, and then we got to get you to the airport.
0: Oh, yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We have to leave.
1: Yes, we do. Um, We're put into this mortal life with very little direction directly from God on how best to follow him. So much of it we have to figure out for ourselves, and it's very difficult to do that. So difficult that, I mean, if you look at the size of our church compared to the human population, 99.9991% of the earth is not LDS. So clearly it's a difficult process. I believe that God, just as you said, Katie, understands that we are trying to figure this out and trying to do the best we can. And looking at the last 16 months of my life in trying to figure out God and churches and religion and spirituality, I know the intent that I've had whether other people believe that intent or not, and it's taken you some time to, to understand that too, of where I'm, what I'm trying to accomplish. But I know that my intent is only to improve myself and my family and to be with them for as long as I possibly can. I do not believe in a God that will punish me if I took a misstep in that, especially when I feel guided That I have been taking the right steps. So it's, uh, I basically, it's fun for me to hear what you said and then say what I just did because so much of it is aligned Mm -hmm. um, from just different viewpoints and where we stand with our beliefs. That's all the time that we had this week on marriage on a tightrope. We will be back with you again very shortly. We hope that you enjoyed listening. Please reach out to us, marriage on a tightrope at gmail.com to send us an email or post on this episode thread on marriage on a tightrope dot org or Mormon dot org.
0: Again we are on Instagram at Marriage on a tightrope. You can follow us there and add any comments if you would like to talk
1: to us. Why would anyone want to do that? I
0: don't know, but this is the end of the program and I'm not gonna say have a good day. So thanks for putting that in last time awkward
1: i like making you look silly
0: yeah that was pretty silly so thanks for listening